Have you ever been told you're too quiet, too sensitive, and in need of a thicker skin? Do you long to find the tranquility, joy, and creative courage to make your unique and gentle impact in a noisy world? Check out The Haven, created by introverted musician Andy Mort. In it, you'll find courses, inspiration, and a community of like-minded introverts. However weird you might feel, there are others just like you. People who totally get you. The Haven is full of them. It's a place of belonging, refuge, and self-acceptance for introverts and sensitive types who want to grow in self-awareness and understanding. For a limited time, you can sign up for a free two-week trial. To do just that, please see the show notes. Welcome to the Introvert Dear Podcast, the show devoted to helping introverts live more peaceful, meaningful lives. We are here to remind you that you don't have to be an extrovert to be happy. Now, here are your hosts... Jen Graneman and Bo Miller. What makes an introvert an introvert? A number of factors make us who we are, but one of the most important is that we need quiet time to recharge. Robbed of alone time, we grow tired and frustrated and feel overstimulated. We may even start to think we're broken or subpar people when we don't have the quiet we need to exercise our greatest strengths. So how do we ensure we get the alone time we need in a world that expects us to be out and about and putting ourselves out there on a regular basis? That very question is the focus of today's conversation. Jen, it's good to be with you again. Yeah, it's good to be here. Why do introverts need alone time? So introverts need alone time like they need air to breathe and food and water. It's like nourishment for them. It's absolutely crucial. So introverts are more prone to fatigue and burnout and overwhelm than our extroverted counterparts. So we need that alone time to help us recharge. It's like giving us life back into ourselves. So introverts have a less active dopamine reward system than extroverts. And basically, that means that all those things that extroverts love are just really exhausting for us. So, Bo, have you ever been out to like a party or even just a long day at work and you just felt yourself totally wiped out? Oh, absolutely. Actually, this reminds me of something I was thinking about just this morning. So I'm, I'm currently a teacher and I'm getting ready for parent-teacher conferences that are coming up, which is just a... Uh, a litany of meetings, one right after the other, the other, and each is about 20 minutes. And I was looking today, and I think I've got like 12 in a row, like 12, 20-minute conversations with people I don't know. <laughs> I'm just, just envisioning how fried I'm going to be after that. So that's just like one taste of something. So yes, totally. I remember those days. I was a teacher for many years, and I remember just dreading parent-teacher conferences, not because I didn't like talking to the parents or you know, getting to hang out with the students, but it was just absolutely exhausting. And I don't know if this is true for you, Bo, but I always felt like the extroverted teachers in the building dealt with it so much better than I did. Yeah, I totally can resonate with that. I think some of them even get energized and you know are looking forward to what they're doing afterward. I, I always just found a good couch and passed out. Yes, absolutely. I, I I feel like some of them would just like kind of dance around the building in anticipation, you know, and yeah. I'm just like, how is that possible? I remember um, one of the last few years that I was teaching, I was going to meet, uh, well, my, my partner Andre was 
coming over kind of back before we were serious. And I told him, it's the, it's going to be the last night of conferences. And if you're coming over, I'm not going to be able to do anything. And so he came over and he's an introvert himself. So he was like, I'll just come and I won't say anything. So he literally <laughs> just kind of ate dinner and hung out and did nothing. It was great because I was so wiped out. Mm. Oh, anyway, so introverts get more easily wiped out in situations like that because we don't have that super active dopamine reward system that extroverts do. So dopamine is this basically a feel-good chemical that's found in the brain and it helps uh, energize us to move toward rewards. Rewards are things like social interaction, social acceptance. It can even be something like food or getting a promotion at work. And of course, introverts want those things too. But for extroverts, they have this more active system and so they get this bump of energy and enthusiasm that helps them power through those situations that can be exhausting. Because let's face it, parties, conversations, even conferences, those are exhausting situations, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, because you have to talk, you have to listen, you have to think about what's being said and process things and also process all the stuff happening in your environment too. So that would tire out anyone, but it tires out introverts even more because they don't get that boost as much from dopamine like extroverts do. It's kind of like extroverts get an energy drink when they're at the gym, <laughs> you know, so they yeah. can just keep going more. So is it the neural pathway that for an introvert is longer, whereas for an extrovert, it's, it's a faster one. So they're kind of operating in their wheelhouse, so to speak. They're, they're moving out of their strengths when they're meeting new people. Yeah. So Dr. Marty Olson Laney theorized that extroverts use their short-term memory, whereas introverts use their long-term memory. And so information travels a longer pathway through the introvert's brain. So it takes them a little longer to process things. And the information also moves through more areas of the brain, Um, your long-term or your, your past memories and your emotions and things like that. So yeah, it can be more exhausting just be because you're doing a lot more thinking and processing. That's super interesting. I mean, just thinking about the extroverts in my life, I think they do have a, a greater short-term memory and they're just fast on their feet. Like there's there's a guy that I know from church and he's just amazing. Like he knows just what to say and can tie it in. It comes so fast to him. And I like, I enjoy being witty and I'm sure, you know, a lot of introverts do as well, but I have to kind of sit and think and let it come to me and I can't just rifle it off like like he can. It's just amazing. Yeah, I'm the same way. I have my moments, but definitely like slow, thoughtful, <laughs> dragging <laughs> more my normal. So on the other side of things, if, if introverts are so drained from, you know, being in these situations like at parties or where they're having to be meeting new people and having a conversation uh, where they're on their toes all the time, they don't have the time to pull from their long-term memory. Those are where they're struggling. What are some of the, the gifts that introverts bring to the table? Well, I would say that in our alone time, we reflect on our experiences. And I would say that, you know, on the whole, introverts will have insights, deep insights when they're reflecting. Uh, I know a lot of times in my alone time, I think about, well, how could I do this thing better? Or, you know, how could I deal with this situation? And that's not to say that extroverts don't ever think and reflect too, but introverts are definitely more prone to it. So all that reflecting helps us to optimize things. It helps us come to 
deeper conclusions, whereas an extrovert might just take kind of the surface level conclusion or the most readily available conclusion. An introvert has time to dig deep and to really think things through. Mm. Uh, yeah, that is a really valuable thing. And it leads me to another question. I'm curious. So you talked a little bit about your alone time. What are some of your favorite things to do in your alone time? So, yeah, I mean, alone time, as we said already, is something that all introverts need. What do you look forward to doing when you have that downtime? I really like to keep it simple. So some of my favorite things are just going in my bedroom, turning the lights down low, reading a book with the door closed. I also like it when my partner is just out of the apartment and I can do my thing, you know, whether that's cleaning or checking things off my to-do list or just watching something that I want to watch on Netflix. I just like having that space to do what I want to do. I also enjoy going for walks by myself. And I used to be in a really good habit of going to a coffee shop nearby my apartment and reading there every Saturday morning, even uh-huh. though that wasn't like technically being alone. I was around other people from the coffee shop, but I was there by myself. So it was kind of like my own time. Oh man, that's such a valuable exercise and so good. And that's such an interesting point. Like alone time doesn't mean that you have to be completely isolated. You can go and be around other people, but just have that time to concentrate and to work out of your strengths and to be recharged. Absolutely. So Boat, what do you like to do for your alone time? (laughs) Typically when I have alone time, I love to play guitar or to write. Um, I enjoy fishing and being outside. You mentioned walking. I mean, oh, just I had see. No idea you fished. Too. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I mean, I haven't done as much of it in recent years, but I mean, when I was in college, there was a great stream that flowed right through the campus and I learned to fly fish. So I, I spent like the whole summer lifeguarding. So there weren't many people at this college pool, maybe the older people that were in the community, they'd come and swim like professors and stuff. And then we'd have camps. But I had a lot of time where I could just go to the the river and stand there and enjoy the beauty and then, um, you know, swing a, a fly rod back and forth. And I learned to tie flies, but it was just like the most restorative time because I had like, I don't know, like 10 weeks of, of time where I'd be out on the water and just fishing whenever I had free time. So I really enjoyed that time. In other words, time that, you know, I still needed to be with people, but I spent a lot of time by myself out on the river and really thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a great time to think and just, uh, again, enjoy the beauty around me. So how do you know when you as an introvert are needing more alone time when you're not getting enough of it, Jen? I would say that you can definitely tell. Like every introvert has had that experience of just feeling completely fatigued and wiped out. You know when you're not getting enough alone time. If it's really bad, like you're exhausted from having a too busy work week, or maybe you went to a party or something like that, you might even get something called an introvert hangover. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. I got to stop you right there in the tracks. What is an introvert hangover for those who are listening that don't know? (laughs) So one of the writers on Introvert Dear actually coined that term a few years ago, and it was just (laughs) something that really resonated with introverts. So it just spread. Wow. Um, So an introvert hangover is when you are completely wiped out and you might even feel physically unwell because you're so tired. So like I in particular get really cranky when I have an introvert hangover. Every little thing just seems to get on my nerves. Like no matter what my friend or my partner says, like it just drives me (laughs) crazy. (laughs) Um, You might struggle to make decisions like your brain just feels like a pile of mush and you can't make simple decisions. Like, have you ever had that conversation with your your friend or your spouse where they're like, 
what do you want for dinner? Or what restaurant are we going to go to? And you're just like so exhausted that you're like, I don't even know. Someone just decide for me. I mean, I can have decision paralysis at other times too, but um, it's definitely a symptom of an introvert hangover. And like I said, you might feel physically unwell. A lot of introverts actually report getting headaches or muscle Mm. aches, dizziness, or even upset stomachs. I've certainly felt like that uh, at times when I've been really, really wiped out. But all in all, you just feel really tired. You might zone out and be able to unable to concentrate. Your mind is kind of just, you know, looking for a way to release itself from all the stimulation going on around you. And you want to just get away and be alone. Mm. And that's such a great description. I had no idea that that phrase was coined on introvert deer. That's really cool stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact. Oh, you. man. Yeah, totally a fun fact. And you had this, we talked about this in a previous episode where you were on vacation with friends and having a really good time. Um, but you, it sounded like you just kind of, you got to a point where you had decision fatigue and maybe too much time together, even with introverts, and you needed some alone time before you could come back together and enjoy your time again, right? Yeah, that happened a few months ago. I was traveling with um, another introverted couple in Seattle. We've known each other for years and years, like since we were literally 16 years old. So we're very comfortable with each other. And she's certainly not someone who drains me. In fact, she's someone who I feel energized being around her. You know, introverts kind of have those few rare people in their lives where they actually feel energized after hanging out with them. But we'd been together for about two days straight and just doing things like going and seeing sites. And we were standing in line to buy tickets to go on some tour. And it was just like this total meltdown moment where I was just like, I don't even know if I can do this. <laughs> you know, like I was just so tired and worn out. And like I couldn't even make a decision about what time we should go on the tour that that evening because my brain was so, you know, just gone. So thankfully, uh, my partner, Andre, who's also an introvert, came to the rescue and he was like, you know, maybe we should all just kind of go our separate ways for a little while and get some recharge time. Oh, that's that, that did the trick. That was that was the trick right there. And, and yeah. man, when you were talking about the introvert hangover and the result, I find that I spend a lot of time anticipating gatherings with uh, lots of people. Like it could be a family reunion or that where I have family members I haven't seen for a while and I can't remember their names. Or it could be a party or whatever it is. I spend a lot of time just planning how I can get out and where I'm going to go when I get there. Because <laughs> I know like how awkward it's going to be and how long it's, you know, how it's going to wipe me out at the end. Do you do that too? Or is that just me? So, so you're telling me you spend more time planning your escape than you do actually thinking like, oh, it'll be fun to talk to so-and-so. And <laughs> Absolutely. I'm like, well, there are some people I'm like, yeah, they'll be cool if I could just, you know, find a way to talk to them over on the side. That might be enjoyable. But for the most part, I'm thinking sometimes, how can I escape? Yeah, I definitely do that too. I I would say that more often than not, I'm thinking, how do I get out of this thing? <laughs> <laughs> but ironically, a lot of times, once I actually kind of get over that hump, once I get there, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm glad I came. Mm. So it's it's kind of a tough balance, you yeah, know. That's but a good not thing. always. It it just I guess it just depends on the event. Yeah, that's a really good point because sometimes I mean we shouldn't always back out because even if you don't feel like it, sometimes when you get there, it's a really valuable experience too. And and we can do just as well. I think people there's a misconception with people that you know introverts don't like other people, but we really do. It's just that maybe our battery lasts uh, you know far less than an extrovert would because we're not <laughs> charging it up per se. We're kind of yeah. we're kind of expending energy while we're there. 
we like people in small doses and we're usually pretty selective about who we like to hang out with, not because we're snobs or stuck up or something like that, but, you know, simply put certain people drain you, certain people energize you. So you need to choose the people you surround yourself with wisely. Absolutely. Uh, Even when friends come over to our house, we, my wife and I are both introverts and we enjoy having like one other friend come over because we can take turns asking them questions. But even like after an (laughs) hour together, we're all like sitting there quietly and like, "Uh, we think it's time. (laughs) Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> you run out of steam after a while. Yep, yep. That's when you wish the extrovert could just maybe pop in and kind of liven things up for a few minutes and then kind of duck out quietly. Yeah, right? that'd be perfect. I mean, they, <laughs> just inject a little fun in, but not too much. That's right. And there's value in having extroverts for sure. But definitely we need that balance as well. So we talked a little bit about how um, we can tell if we're getting an introvert hangover or we're feeling very drained that we might need some more alone time. But I've got to ask you on the flip side, can introvert get too much alone time? And if so, how can we tell? Yeah, absolutely. That's a real problem too. It's it's hard to find the right balance. Uh, I'll be honest, this last month, I felt like I've had too much alone time. I had an injury that's kept me at home a lot and has made it hard to just go out and do much. So I just found myself at home. And that's not really the kind of alone time you want to have when it's not restorative, when you're rather just forced to be at home. So yeah, it it can get lonely. I mean, introverts need friends. They need some stimulation. They need some sunshine. (laughs) (laughs) I found myself just craving like, oh, just be outside in the sun a little bit. So yeah, it gets a little tough. You might feel lonely. You might start to feel depressed or anxious. I certainly felt myself feeling both of those things when I wasn't getting enough stimulation. So it's hard to know. It's it's a fine balance, but we can know the right thing to do by paying attention to the signals that our body is sending us and the signals that our emotions are sending us. Um, I, at one point, I kind of hit rock bottom and was like, I just have to get up and get out. And I went to a, my this co-working space that I go to to get work done. And then I met that that one introverted friend <laughs> who energizes me, the one I went on the trip with, uh, for we do kind of a little weekly happy hour. And I was still dealing with some symptoms from the injury, but I had said to myself, like, I'm just going to get up and do this because now I need some stimulation for my mental health. Yeah. Yeah. And we're all social beings. We need community. So good for you getting out there. That's great. So do you actually like, I mentioned that you you kind of have a routine of meeting this friend. Talk about that a little bit more. Do you plan in a way to meet both your alone time needs and your people needs? And what does that look like for you? And how might it look for the listener as, as he or she is thinking about this? Yeah, I definitely make plans throughout the week to to meet both my people needs and my alone time needs. So my partner goes out to a weekly gaming group on Wednesday nights and he leaves me with the house to myself And I try to plan absolutely nothing on those evenings just so that I can have the apartment all to myself and have time to recharge. So that's kind of my one time in the week to know like this is my time. And then conversely, the next day I meet my this introverted friend for happy hour. And that's a really nice deep dive conversation Mm. with someone who energizes me. So when I was interviewing introverts for my book, The Secret Lives of Introverts, I'll um, Some introverts told me that they did indeed plan their alone time. In fact, I interviewed an introverted musician named Jeremy Messersmith, 
who said that he puts his alone time on the calendar. He has a very extroverted wife and they've had to work to figure out how to make that relationship work and balance their needs. So he actually schedules it out on his calendar, the family calendar, so that he and his wife know when that alone time is going to be. And then that way he makes sure that he gets it. And also then his wife doesn't feel as hurt or offended when he says, hey, I'm going to just go do this thing by myself because, you know, she knows then, well, it's not about me. It's about his need to do this. So I would encourage our listeners to do something like that, to do that kind of routine if you don't have something like that in place already. Yeah, that is such a great suggestion, just using your calendar. And when you tell people, um, you can say I'm busy and you don't have to say why. And I I think that's super valuable. And for me, I, I think just even having some time to myself in the morning, a focus block of time, or at the end of the day when I'm winding down, it doesn't necessarily have to be a lot. Like Jen, I love that you have those two days where both you're alone for a while, a couple hours, but you also have that time to connect with a friend that you really appreciate. I think that's good. Um, and and just having time in the morning and, and at the end of the day, like as kind of a, a routine or habit can be really good for you. Because like we need rest and like we need to eat healthy and exercise and take care of ourselves so we're able to serve others. Um, we also need to do that by making alone time. So those are great suggestions. A little, go I'm ahead. curious about how you get your alone time because you have a wife and a small child at home. And I know you have another child on the way, so <laughs> too, which is very exciting. So, you know, I don't have kids yet. Uh, so how does that work with children involved? How do you get that alone time? That is a great question. I, well, one of the things that we're trying to do now is go to bed pretty soon after he goes to bed and then we get up early. So, you know, this week, for instance, we were going to bed, like, it's not crazy early, like 9.30 or 10. And then I was trying to get up at like 5 or 5.30, um, which gives me some good sleep. And then uh, what I've been doing is just going over to work. But that's been a really nice time because I can focus on something and it feels good to accomplish some jobs that got to get done. And nobody really interrupts me. It's just me and my other introverted coworker. Um, who are there? And some, are there like, early. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's awesome. It's so great because we we don't want to bother each other, and maybe we pop over once in a while just to share an idea or just say a word. But mostly, we're just working on our own stuff, and that is really energizing for me. And I think, yeah, I think just working with the schedule because you want to be, at least for me, I'm learning that I want to be there with my son when he is up and active, and I'm there with him because that time is limited, and I think it's so valuable. And to some extent, I think I need to sacrifice sometimes. I think that's just the nature of relationships. But then it's really nice when, um, you know, Saturday morning rolls around. My wife's pretty good about um, letting me have some time. And I try to, you know, spend some special time with my son and then she can go out and get something done too. So at least at this point we can work together. But I feel like when you have more kids, like I've, I've talked to um, Susan Storm, for instance, I think she has like six or seven kids. She runs psychology junkie she really is she runs psychologyjunkie.com if you've ever checked that out before and and she has so many kids she homeschools homeschools them and she writes all those articles it's amazing um so for her i think she's just like pouring into them at this time and she doesn't have as much so i think that's also something to keep in mind in life sometimes there are seasons and relationships are valuable and prioritizing them is good but if you can take some time to yourself even like a weekend away every once in a while or I don't know if it's like half an hour at night, that can make a big difference. Just making the most of what you got. So Jen, we talked a little bit about um, what what we like to do when we have alone time, but you did some great research for your book. What else did you find out about the kinds of activities that energize introverts in general, just to kind of spur 
uh, the listener on to try some things that might energize him or her. Do you have any suggestions? Oh, it really varies from person to person. Uh, a lot of people said that they liked just staying home, getting to putz around the house. Somebody said that they liked getting to clean their house, which actually that's something I can sometimes enjoy too. <laughs> uh, reading, writing, playing video games, going out and shopping. Now I know shopping might sound like, oh, there's people around. But <laughs> my introvert said she just loves to go to the mall when mm. it's not a busy time and just shop by herself because huh. then she can go to the store she wants and take as much time as she wants picking out her clothes. A lot of journaling is something that introverts mentioned. Anything creative, whether it's painting, ceramics, graphic design, writing, drawing, comic books, anything like that, anything creative. Introverts tend to be really drawn, drawn to creative stuff. And um, like just as a side note, I was just going to say, you mentioned journaling. I thought that was such a, a good episode we had with Andy in our past conversation. So if you want to learn more about journaling, episode 14 of the Introvert Dear podcast has a lot to offer. So check out that episode as well. But Jen, I cut you off, which is not something introverts do. So I'm sorry oh, about I'm that. But, <laughs> but go ahead. <laughs> That's okay. I was actually winding down. I'll just add one of my favorites, which is exercising. I like to just in the gym by myself, mm. which thankfully the the gym in my apartment is small and often there's no one around. So that's really nice to just exercise by yourself oh my or goodness. go for a walk or run by yourself. I'm so glad you said that one because that's huge for me. That was one of our discussions my wife and I were talking about, just thinking about how life is going to change. And I ended up just like setting up with the new baby, with the new baby. baby right. <laughs> right. So I just set up like a, a, a trainer in my road bike downstairs to ride. And then I ordered, um, some dumbbells and, and I got a, a bench off of Craigslist, but that's just really important just to have some time to like exercise or whatever. But I, it's so good that you pointed out it's different for each and every one of us. So experimenting to find what works for you is, is huge. I really appreciate that you shared that. Yeah. Exercise is so key because not only can you get alone time, but you can also get healthy and yeah. then you feel good too. You know, you, you, your body feels those endorphins from the exercise. And there's just so many benefits. There's also such a big mental health benefit too. I'll be honest, I've struggled with anxiety and depression throughout my life. Yeah, and me too. I found that the biggest thing is getting regular exercise. It's it's amazing what that can do for a person. Yeah, that's the amazing thing about exercise because um, you know, while it has um, multiple dimensions, I mean, th some come to mind right away, like maybe you have difficult life circumstances come up or you're having a, a difficult relationship, but it's physical, it's, it's spiritual, it's, it's psychosocial. So just getting down there and exercising can be helpful. But I think Jen, even what you said too, about like going and meeting a friend can be therapeutic as well. But yeah, definitely. That's the same way. I've, one of the ways that I've been really helped is, is by regular exercise. It's kind of mitigated my, my um, ups and downs. Yeah, I would say the same thing. I'm certainly not super fit or super buff. I mean, I would I love know. to be. I'm not like I'm not that much of a workout junkie, but you know, it it gives you confidence too. Um when you're you're fit and when you've got those good feeling chemicals going through your Definitely. body, you know, it it improves your mood, so it's yeah, it's it's all around great. For sure. So, what's yeah, I want to transition here for a little bit because when we're opting for alone time, when we're trying to fit it into our schedule, one of the biggest challenges as an introvert can be 
wanting to people please or not necessarily hurt any people's feelings, or maybe it just comes down to you don't like conflict. Cause I think we as introverts in general, not, I'm not going to say all of us, but most of us don't enjoy conflict because it takes a lot of energy, but saying no and deciding what your priorities are is really important. So have you found a good way to say no? What, what do you think the best way to say no is? Yeah, I'll just say I'm definitely a people pleaser. That's something I've struggled with throughout my life as a lot of introverts have. I'm glad you said not all introverts do, but a lot of us do. And that's often how I end up in exhausting situations because I haven't said no when I should have said no. Mm. So I would say some of the best ways to say no are to make it about yourself and not about the other person. That helps me anyway, because then I feel like I'm, I'm putting... I'm pointing the finger at myself, so to speak. (laughs) And it's sort of a more, you know, polite or gracious way to say no. So you can say something like, thank you for thinking of me, but I've just had an exhausting week at work Mm. and I need to take tonight to just be some time for myself. Or I'd love to go, I'd love to catch up with you sometime, but going to the party is just going to be too much for me because I need some me time. So I like to make it more about myself. And then I like to remind people that there's always going to be some pushback, right? You're going to say no, but people are still going to try and talk you into it. It's just human nature. Plus, I think it's just sort of polite and almost socially expected for people to say like, oh, but come on, we really want you there. Or, oh, but come on, you know, no one can uh, run this committee or take on this work like you can. So just know that they're going to try to push back and you have to be mentally prepared for that to stand your ground. Usually that's where I cave. Like I am probably the biggest caver you'll ever meet. I probably shouldn't admit that. <laughs> I'm getting better. <laughs> so don't try anything. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's really easy to cave then because then I start to think like, well, I'm letting them down and I'm disappointing them and I don't want to do that. I guess it's not it's not that bad for me to go to the party or it's not that bad for me to take on that extra work and I sort of talk myself into doing it when, you know, in reality, I should have just gone with my initial thought about it. Usually, you know, mm-hmm. your your initial instinct is telling you something. So just be prepared for that pushback, stand firm and... I like to remember that you might be momentarily disappointing someone by saying no, but you're not actually harming them. Mm. And, you know, maybe they need you to join that committee and you won't, but they're going to recalibrate and they'll go ask someone else or they'll find a way to do it without you. Or maybe they were expecting you at the event, but now they know you're not going to be there and, oh, that, that sucks, but you know, they'll, they'll recalibrate and, and be okay. Yeah, that is so good. I I like the suggestion too, to, to take it personally and explain from your perspective why it's not going to work. And, and that makes it less personal for the other person you're saying. This is something that I can't work with. I think too, just um, when you're saying, when you're saying no to something else, you're saying yes to something more important. Just keeping yeah, in mind, really. like, like we talked about right before the show, Jen, about how, you know, we're constantly kind of grappling with priorities and what really matters and thinking that through. It's one of the things we do when we have alone time. And, and <laughs> always thinking things through. <laughs> it never ends. Yeah, that's right. Um, it, it's, it's a constant spiral of thoughts, but just yeah. realizing that life is limited. We have to be careful about what we say yes to. So saying no frees you to say yes to more important things. And also, when you do finally, if you say no to some things, when you do say yes, then you can give somebody full commitment and 
um, they know that you're really going to be on board rather than saying yes to everything and not being able to do it, you know, to the best of your ability. So I think that's really helpful. But one of the best, absolute best pieces of advice that I've learned over maybe like the past year, Jen, I don't know if this is true for you, if you use the strategy at all, but I've just learned to ask for more time and mm-hmm. to, to like, can I have time to think about that? Cause you yeah. don't have to answer right there. Like well, your best friend is time, especially as an introvert, since we're not great at thinking on our feet. So maybe you can pull back, get some counsel from people who know you and see different perspectives than you do. And also just think it through in your own time. And then, you can protect your time and look at your schedule or <laughs> one more I got to throw out there is just having your calendar with you and, and being able to pull it out and look at it really fast and say, oh, yeah. that's not going to work with my schedule. So those things have helped me. I don't know about you. Have, do you use any of those strategies? Yeah, I do. I, I like both of them and I kind of use them both in different turns. I think there's a lot of power in being able to let something sit with you and to just figure out how you feel about it and figure out if you have the energy and the time to be able to do that. But then I also like what you said about just being able to say yes or no quickly, because sometimes uh, so I'll sometimes admit I'll do the first thing, but then I do the first thing too much. And then I end up having like these kind of like unanswered questions hanging over my head. Like, well, are we going to do this this weekend? Are you going to join this? Are you going to do that? And just the like stuff hanging over my head almost oh. seems to be a little draining too. Yeah. So I feel like there's power in, Knowing when you need to think about something, but also knowing, like you said, pulling out the calendar and being like, oh, well, I have something that day I can't. Or maybe just pulling out the calendar and thinking, wow, I already have a couple things this week, so I can't, even though I'm technically free on that day. Mm. Yeah, that's that's such great advice. There, You definitely need the discernment to know when to use each strategy because both is important and depending on the situation. That's a, That's a really good point. Um, I, I've read some really good stuff from Michael Hyatt on this and I can link to it in the show notes. But one of the things he does that I think you just did a good job of, Jen, is he tries in saying no to first express appreciation for the other person thinking of him and then to affirm the relationship. And then you don't have to like, you can say no without like coming out and saying no, right? You could say, I'm sorry, I, I would really love to do that. But at this time, um, that's not going to work for me. Or, or maybe maybe you do want to do it. You just can't do it at this time. Like maybe we can look for another time to do it. Have you come across any strategy or do you have any go-to strategy and wording your no, Jen? I like those a lot. And I'll just kind of piggyback off of those. If I get invited to some big group event that seems really overwhelming for me as an introvert or a highly sensitive person, I may say no to that, but that doesn't necessarily mean I don't value spending time with that person who invited me. So I might say no to that one large event, but then I might follow up with, Hey, I'm not going to your birthday party, but (laughs) would you want to get coffee sometime Mm. or just have dinner, the two of us sometime? Or if that's not possible, maybe it's sending a card or reaching out to them in a more specialized, personalized way. And that can let them know that you still really care about them. Yeah. It's just the event that is what's overwhelming to you. Oh, I love that. I love how you offer alternatives. That can be such a wonderful solution. Well, we've covered a ton today. I feel like we've had a really good conversation. Hopefully, um, you who are listening have gotten some good ideas, or maybe it's reminded you of something else that you do that helps you to make time for alone time. But Jen, just in wrapping up, um, can you just tell us how you're going to use some alone time this weekend? (laughs) 
<laughs> That's a bad question for this weekend because I actually have a busy weekend. It's oh. my best friend. It's my best friend's birthday. Um, the introverted friend. When I say friend, it's just usually that one friend. <laughs> I just have the one who I'm close with. Um, and then it's also my mom's birthday. Like two days. In no row. way. Wait. So, wait. When's your mom's birthday? Is your mom's uh, birthday? My mom's birthday is the fourth. No November way. Fourth. My mom's birthday is the third. November third. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. I mean, um, if, if your mom's birthday was the third, then I was about to say maybe we have the same mom, but no, that was <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can get our moms to have a joint birthday party. There and you go. Be, you know, just one and done. One event and done <laughs> for the two of us. <laughs> and then uh, my best friend's birthday is today, actually. We're recording this on November 2nd, but she has, she's having a birthday party tomorrow. Um, my birthday was last weekend. And so happy birthday, by the way. Thank you. I didn't do anything in true introvert form. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, so I'm going to spend some time tonight just having a low-key evening in a way to kind of charge up for my unusually busy weekend. What about you, Bo? Are you going to do some alone time coming up? Oh, man. I would like to do more. I think my strategy is just going to be to go to bed early tonight, get a good night's sleep, and maybe have some more of that quiet alone time in the morning because I think we've got some family commitments coming up, but they're going to be good ones. Yeah, same here. Bedtime early and some time in the morning when I can get it. Absolutely. Hey, well, thanks so much for tuning into this podcast today. We hope that it served you. And thanks so much for listening. We look forward to seeing you on the next show. Thanks for listening to the Introvert Dear Podcast. Make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss out on future episodes. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. And remember, there's nothing wrong with being quiet and spending time alone.